It's been a nope, still not planned it. Hey everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Luke Cannon, and in this episode, we are covering the Season 2 episode of Star Trek Enterprise, Cogenitor. This is the one where, upon the Enterprise studying a hypergiant star, they make first contact with a new alien species, the Visians. And for once, it actually goes well, with Archer and Drenick, the Visian captain, hitting it off and the crews of the two ships start interacting with each other. But when Trip meets their engineer and his wife, he also meets their cogenitor, a third gender that makes up 3% of their population and whose sole purpose is to help male and female married couples conceive a child. Put off by the treatment of the cogenitor, as less than a pet, Trip interacts with the cogenitor and begins teaching it how to read and to be independent. This action catches up to Trip as Charles, the cogenitor who named itself after Trip, sneaks back aboard the Enterprise, which threatens to derail the first contact and the new friendship between the two peoples, and leads to one of my favorite moments in the series. Where is she? It's not exactly a she, sir. Where? In my quarters. How long ago did this happen? Last night, after supper. They demanded that she be returned immediately. I did exactly what you do, Captain. It's not like I had much choice. I wasn't going to... Would you excuse us, Sub-Commander? I might have expected something like this from a first-year recruit. But not you. You did exactly what I'd do? If that's true, then I've done a pretty lousy job setting an example around here. You're a senior officer on this ship. You're privy to the moral challenges I've had to face. You know I've wrestled with the fine line between doing what I think is right and interfering with other species. So don't tell me you know what I would have done when I don't even know what I would have done. I didn't think it would hurt to teach her how to read. Then you didn't think hard enough. We're out here to meet new species, not tell them what to do. Teaching her to read is no different than you giving them books or movies. Giving them books is a lot different than suggesting they defy their culture. And they asked me for the books. Did she ask you to teach her how to read? No, sir. And sneaking into her quarters. Bringing her on Enterprise. Lying about where you were going. Why? Come with me. I love this moment a lot on both a thematic and character level. One of the Star Trek podcasts that I listened to, Women at Warp, described this episode as Florida Man Meets the Handmaid's Tale, which, while glib, is pretty accurate. In regards to the theme of gender and trans representation, I can't say for certain if this is a good or bad depiction of the complexity of the matter. Until recently, one issue that Star Trek had dropped the ball on in terms of representation is homosexuality. There was no mention or inference at all during the original series, despite all the fodder for the fanfiction writers between Kirk and Spock. And in TNG, while Gene had said at a convention that it was time for there to be a gay character in Star Trek, it ultimately didn't happen. 
And there was an episode written by David Gerald of Trouble with Tribbles fame called Blood and Fire, which was about the AIDS epidemic and the fear of donating blood in the 80s, and would have had the first openly gay couple in Star Trek. The episode was shelled, but it would later be turned into one of the novels and be readapted into an episode of the fan film series Star Trek New Voyages. The best that we got in TNG was the season 5 episode The Outcast, which, while it failed as a gay rights allegory, it ended up working better as a trans allegory. DS9, on the other hand, had tons of queer subtext with not only Garrick and his relationship with Dr. Bashir, but also with Jedzia Dax, with Trill, and how they became an allegory for the trans community. And I loved the meme online of the moment in Blood Oath when Curzon, the aged Klingon warrior from Errand of Mercy, hugs Jedzia and says, Curzon, my beloved old friend. <laughs> I'm Jedzia now. Uh, well, Jadzia, my beloved old friend. <laughs> Pointing out that if an age-old Klingon warrior can change his use in pronouns and accept old friends with new names and genders, so can you. But as for Cogenitor, while it was certainly forward-thinking at the time it was made in 2002, whether this holds up nowadays in 2021... I don't know. I still have a lot to learn about gender and trans rights and the trans community, so I would rather leave this in the hands of far more qualified people than me, such as the aforementioned Women at War podcast, who did an episode on Cogenitor. But what I can say is that this is a fantastic episode in terms of it being a cautionary tale about how inserting yourself into a foreign culture that isn't yours and that you have little to no understanding of can lead to devastating consequences, as depicted in the final scene where Archer tells Tripp that because of his actions, Charles committed suicide. So not only is one person dead, but that couple's child will no longer exist. For a franchise that would have our characters show up on a new planet, solve the problem that's going on down there, and then move on to the next thing with little to no regard for the long-term consequences, this was a gut punch of an ending. And reflective of where the franchise was in terms of its approach to foreign cultures and colonialism. We're way past the days of Kirk telling a society that their way of life is stupid and then phasering the computer that was running said society. We're even past the days of Picard telling Waxana that they can't get involved since they're not part of the Federation. Now we're at well-meaning guy inserts himself into a culture and situation he doesn't understand and now he has to live with the consequences of said actions. It's an evolution of the franchise that I greatly appreciated as someone who wants to say and do the right things but knows that I need to have a full understanding of the issues at hand if I want to make the appropriate change. And from a character perspective, this was when I finally bought Archer as an actual captain. Like I said in the previous episode, I did not like Archer. Him whining about the Vulcans holding his father's work back immediately put me off of him. And seeing him in the first season as George W. Bush in space, as someone once described him as, and especially in the season 2 episode A Night in Sick Bay, if I was serving under him, I would have requested a transfer off the ship. But in this episode, I finally bought him as an actual captain as he chews out Trip, his, for lack of a better term, bro, for what he's done and for saying that he would have done the exact same thing. And the way Scott Bakula plays Archer in that moment, and Connor Treener going from righteous indignation to slowly realizing what he's done, helps to drive that theme home and makes this a standout episode. As for the rest of the episode, this was directed by LeVar Burton, 
While not as high-profile a director as Jonathan Frakes is, Burton still had a solid career directing television. And with this episode, you can tell that his experience directing Star Trek was on display not only with the complex FX sequences of Archer and Dranik flying around and getting close to the star, but also with the aforementioned scenes between Archer and Trip. And speaking of Dranik, he was played by Andreas Katsoulas, who previously played the Romulan commander Tomalak in The Next Generation. And he would have had a bigger presence on TNG if he wasn't cast as Ambassador Jakar on Babylon 5, which is a series that I had always heard about spoken reverently by science fiction fans and had a sort of rivalry with Deep Space Nine. Now that the series has been remastered in HD and that it's being rebooted, I think I'll get it off of iTunes and see it for myself. But here, he plays the gregarious Drenik, and it's nice to see him come back to the franchise and play a more positive character. Sadly, this was one of his last roles as he died four years later in 2006 due to lung cancer. And also there's a subplot of Reed getting involved with the Visian security officer, but I had completely forgotten about it until I was reading the plot description of this episode on Memory Alpha, which again shows how much Reed was a boring character. After the god-awful A Night in Sick Bay and Precious Cargo, Cogenitor was an episode that helped the series bounce back after a mid-season lull, along with the Borg episode Regeneration, the Right Stuff-inspired First Flight, and the season 2 finale The Expanse, which kicked off the Zindi arc of the third season and turned the show into a 9-11 series. But join me tomorrow when we finish our look at Star Trek Enterprise with the first half of a now legendary fourth season two-parter, one that's at the top of the list of fan-favorite episodes. Live long and prosper, and also, live well. (laughs) 